0: John 16, verse 16 to 33. This is God's word to us. The disciples' grief will turn to joy. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, A time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen.
1: I don't know whether it's encouraging to read the Scriptures and find that we are not the only ones who don't understand. Our uh, study this morning, John chapter 16 and from verse 16, uh, brings to a conclusion our Lord's teaching, preparing His disciples for the dramatic and traumatic events that were going to happen very shortly. In in a matter of hours, Jesus would be betrayed, arrested, executed after being tried, but on the third day would rise again. And our Lord has been in the studies preparing the disciples, but they still couldn't figure it out. Our next study, God willing, will be John 17, and there we have our Lord's great prayer. So, his teaching is coming to a conclusion, and we see at the beginning of our reading, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while? Well, let's now pray And ask the Lord to help us to see a little of what He means through this word. Lord, some things are hard to understand. And we just pray that this morning you will help us to understand not the depths of your word, but to understand what you're saying to us, each one. Lord, The Spirit inspired the Scriptures, written by the early disciples and saints, and grant now that by that same Spirit we will understand, and by His encouragement and direction will be led to respond as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, verse 16, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And the disciples said, what does he mean by saying, in a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. And Jesus knew that that's where they were, and he said, Oh, so you don't understand what I mean when I say in a little while. You you look at the first few verses and the phrase in a little while comes four or five times. Now, hands up here, those who don't understand the English phrase, four words, in a little while. Fairly basic, isn't it? In a little while, well, in the original, it's just one word. It means, soon. Hands up here, those who don't No, no. Everybody understands these simple words. The, the, The disciples could understand the word, but they couldn't get their heads around what it was saying, where it fitted in, what Jesus was saying through it. And that was because they couldn't get their heads around the fact that the Messiah, the one promised long ago, the one to whom they were looking to, and the one whom they believed was now in their midst, they they couldn't understand all this stuff about suffering and being betrayed and crucified, and then rising again. They couldn't Get it. And Jesus went on. He knew what they were, their problem. And he went on in verse uh, 20 and saying, "Uh, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. In this passage, we have three different transitions. And the first one is from grief to joy. You will mourn. They will mourn. And they did mourn when Jesus was crucified. But he said, yes, you will mourn. And it will be difficult, but beyond you will know joy. And in verse 21, he gives the example of childbirth. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world Now, we're not so comfortable, at least men aren't, I think, uh, talking about childbirth. Because when we talk about childbirth in mixed company, the response is normally, you're a man, what do you know about it? And well, there's no answer to that, is there? But childbirth was... uh, Well, it's common all the time, otherwise we wouldn't be here, but but it was much more local in those days. Everybody knew how a child was born, and everybody knew the pain that the mother would have going through labor. Why? Because there weren't hospitals, there weren't uh, maternity units, there weren't neonatals and all that kind of stuff. There wasn't any of that. Children were born at home in the one room, which was the house, and the mother was attended by (coughs) the other female members of the family, and maybe a midwife. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, But the males, they could hear the anguish, they could hear the pain, they all knew about this. The anguish and pain of a mother delivering a child without any help in drugs or anything like that doesn't bear thinking about, and yet through it there comes the great joy of a new life, a new life. And Jesus says... So, your grief will be changed to joy. You will have pain, but afterwards you will know joy that the world and no one else can take away. And and then he goes on and and says something which is uh, a, a bit strange. He says, uh, now is your time of grief. I will see you again and you will rejoice. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then uh, later on, he he says uh, in, in verse 25, A time is coming when I will know you, uh, uh, no, verse uh, 26, in that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because he loved me. Now, that's not normally what we say about prayer. Normally we say about prayer, Jesus is, the the frogs are delivering in my throat, I think. Uh, He's saying, normally we say, isn't Jesus the mediator? And now he's saying, we won't be asking through him but going direct to the Father? Mediator, what's a mediator? I I was at a funeral on Thursday, up country, and I was uh, to share in the service. So I rang the minister who was uh, conducting the service, and I said, uh, uh, Andy, What are the details? So he told me them all. And I said, now, uh, what about a car park? Now, I know when I say that, you will all say, oh, yes, here's a minister wanting to have his own special place to park the car. Now, it's not like that. It's not like that. And the reason it's not like that is when I was teaching students for the ministry and we were dealing with funerals, I... I said to them, there are several important rules that you should follow. And one is, never lose the hearse. All right? There, you can see why it's an important rule. And it's a rule, uh, because I've nearly lost the hearse once or twice, it's a rule I always follow, and so I like to have the pot the car close to the hearse, so that when the hearse goes, even if the lights change, I get through it and will deal with the consequences later. Sorry your, uh, your honor, etc. Uh, now it, it, so he, he sorted it out for me. He was my intermediary. I went to him and he said, no problem. and he talked to the men, who were looking after the parking in the church. In in fact, uh, I got a lift, so I didn't need to be so careful. I I got a lift in a Merck. I'm telling you, up country, they do things much better than here. But my point is, I went through an intermediary, and the Scriptures tell us that there's one mediator, one intermediary between God and man, whom? The man, the one who became man, Jesus Christ. But here, Jesus is saying, no, no, you'll you'll go direct to the Father because the Father loves you because you have loved me. Now, how do we get our heads around that? And the answer is, Jesus, when he died, He defeated, when he rose again, the powers of evil. Remember, the the heavy curtain in the temple was ripped in two. And because he died, and because he paid the, the perfect price, there is a way open to us to the Father. He is our mediator. We go in his name But we now go directly to the Father. That's how these two things are reconciled. And the the other thing we we see (coughs) in this passage, (coughs) he says, You will ask anything, you will ask anything in my name, and he will give it to you. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I'm a bit tight at the moment. Various issues have come up, and it would be wonderful if I had a few extra, Bob. I've never picked the right numbers in the lottery, so please just give me the numbers, and I'll be very grateful. Thank you in anticipation. Amen. Is that how it works? That is not how it works. Why? He will give us anything, but we're asking in his name. And in his name is much more than just repeating a formula at the end, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We should do that, but it's much more than just a form of words that wraps up a prayer. We are acknowledging that he is the mediator, we are acknowledging that what we are asking should be in accordance with his will and will bring glory to him. And those prayers are all answered in the name of Jesus. The first transition from grief to joy the second transition from speaking figuratively to plain speaking. Look at verse 25. <clears throat> Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language but will tell you plainly about my Father. Now, what is speaking figuratively mean. Some of the translations talk about speaking in pictures. Now, we think that when Jesus used pictures, and they're the things that really sparkle for us, we learn more. But here Jesus is saying, no, I have to go beyond that and speak directly. In that day, you will understand because I'll be speaking plainly. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's go back earlier in the chapter, verse 12 of chapter 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. When our Lord rose again and ascended, He gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit's help, Coming through sermons, coming through direct reading of the Scriptures and prayer, coming through uh, discussions at home groups, coming directly, all kinds of ways, the Spirit will guide us and teach us. But the Spirit, you know, a lot of things can be blamed on the Holy Spirit, we need to note a number of things, <clears throat> that the Spirit never contradicts the plain teaching of Scripture because God doesn't contradict himself. And the Spirit will always be seeking to glorify the Lord Jesus. And the, the, the Spirit will always be seeking to upbuild the people of God Sometimes chastening, but always up So, we are promised God's Spirit to explain things to us and to help us to understand. When I was training for the ministry after I'd studied at Queen's, I decided to go to Edinburgh to study my theology there. Now, that wasn't just to get away from home, which was one thing I wanted to do, but it was because there there was a – the New Testament professor was a reputable scholar. There were reputable scholars in Belfast. That wasn't the issue. But – He was a man whom I thought combined in a a very wonderful way uh, a combination of his intelligence and his understanding of the word, his ability to teach, but also with a close walk with Jesus. And some of my studies, uh, my training in languages and so on in Queens, that they'd been a bit arid. And I wanted that combination. And so, maybe I would have got it in Belfast. I I don't know. But that's why I went and studied under him. And it was a blessing. I had some problems. And some of them you know, problems that, apparent contradictions in the scriptures and how do we live and all those kinds of issues, and I didn't quite know where I was. Some of those problems were resolved through teaching and experience and so on. And some of the problems I still have, but they're not important anymore. You know, some problems evaporate and some problems I... I, I can happily live with them. I don't uh, get overly worked up now about anyone's particular view of prophecy. I used to love to fight the Plymouth Brethren. Oh, we, we hammered it out. It was great. And uh, was it sanctifying? Not a bit, but they love to scrap with me too. It's not an issue. I used to fight with the Baptists over baptism and that was good crack too but but that's the point it was just good
0: crack. Uh, uh,
1: The Methodists well they were always a touch on free will and election you know but now that's just play acting so often. These are issues which we have to engage with but To me now, they're not not issues. The important thing is someone walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, showing Jesus and following the Scriptures as best they can with His help. The first transition from grief to joy. The second transition, with the help of the, the Holy Spirit, uh, from picture language to direct plain speaking. And the third and final transla- uh, transition, change, verses 31 to 33, from trouble to peace. Verse 32. <clears throat> Uh, A time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with you. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Trouble to peace. But know the Notice the parallel structure in this sentence. In me, in Jesus, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In me, in this world. Here we have two spheres of our existence. We are in this world... We live in this world. We mix with people, some of whom are believers, some of whom are not. This, we, we all are part of this messy world. That's one sphere, one sphere, but also in me. Those who trust Jesus are living in Christ that's a different sphere, and the two overlap for the believer. In the world, you have trouble. Yes, you will, and you do. We all do. My, uh, uh, my heart went out to my dear friend on Thursday. He learnt of his wife's terminal illness five weeks earlier, so it was quite a shock, quite a shock. And he's due to retire in six months, July. And I'm sure, I, I, I haven't really got talking very much to him, uh, but, but I, I'm, I'm sure that they had plans. And now those plans for how they were going to live together and what they were going to do are all scrapped. He's on his own. In this world, you will have trouble. We all do. But in me, says Jesus, in me. Peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding, which the Lord gives to those who trust him in the midst of their trouble. And that's a wonderful promise. And many can bear witness to its truth. And Jesus concludes. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Be courageous, another translation. I, Jesus speaking, have overcome the world. He's won the battle. He's won the battle. The enemy is still flailing around, kicking and screaming. And if we get too close to him, we'll get hurt. But he has won. And that is our hope, our joy, our faith, our assurance. Three transitions. From grief to joy, from speaking in pictures to speaking plainly, from trouble to peace. Jesus said earlier, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. And the last words Jesus says before he prays is the one I've just quoted, take heart. I have overcome the world. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, in the midst of troubles, illness, worries, concerns, things we can't get our head around. Lord, we acknowledge our faith can be shaky. We, like Peter, walking on the waves, look down and see them around us and sense the wind blowing strong and don't look to Jesus and begin to sink. Lord, strengthen us, strengthen our faith, strengthen our courage, strengthen our desire to be closer to you or cause us, Lord, To believe in you and trust you, for we're trying to do it all on our own. And may we know that peace and the assurance that whatever else we see around us, we know that you have won, you are the conqueror, and we will be with you through trusting in your name for time and for eternity. Amen.